0: See if I can set the record straight.
1: Okay, so the and it's been a long time, but what I remembered was you taking some sort of hallucinogen. I thought it was corsetin at the time, and freaking out at school and and leaving and running to the parking lot to your car. And the principal tried to stop you, and I guess you kind of nudged him a little bit. <laughs>
0: To, uh, correct the
1: parking lot.
0: so all right it was first day of senior year and me and two other friends split a bag of mushrooms and we then we went our separate separate ways because we had three different classes and uh so i went into photography and i was in the dark room i remember that specifically and i started wigging and i was like <laughs> i can't do this so i was like i'm going to the bathroom I go to the bathroom, and there is my other friend in the fetal position on the floor going with his cell phone out, going, Jed, Jed, where are you? And he looks up at me, and I'm like, (laughs) and I said, dude, and he goes, dude. I was like, I know. He was, yeah. So we ran to my car. We hopped in my car, crank it up, and we're just going out, and uh, Principal Witt was directing traffic that day because it was, like, new. Everyone was new. It was the first. It wasn't even, like... First period wasn't even over yet of the first day of school (laughs) and uh uh, he was standing in the way and my friend just leans out the window and just screams no 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 and just like (laughs) held his hand out and uh principal wouldn't get out of the way and you know so I hit him with my car (laughs) (laughs)
2: did you ever get in trouble for that
0: no I think no he looked at me like a week later he just gave me this look of knowing, you know, like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> but uh, nothing ever came of that.
2: Oh, that's too funny. And then we, we got that's to funny. my
0: house and just put on Aladdin and uh, and calmed down.
2: That sounds much better. Yeah.
0: Disney movies were always my, uh, my freak out uh, fix.
2: Bring you back down? Oh, they'll bring you back down yeah. so
0: quick. They're so. I remember
2: watching Alice in Wonderland, like, on loop that at your won't, house. That
0: will not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That'll keep it going. Yeah, That'll yeah. keep
0: it going. That'll I just remember being
2: like, that fucking Cheshire cat. Yes. Yeah,
0: you didn't and, uh, throw something at my TV? I, I remember <laughs> that specifically, you saying, that fucking Cheshire cat, man. And you were just getting <laughs> so mad. And I think
2: you threw the remote at my TV. I'm not. So that sounds like me, for sure. So. <laughs> yeah so all that Dude, to say funny. andrew
0: is is another person that has been with us uh from the very beginning um who are those kids that like dropped out and so they had their own house that we used to go hang out at in high school his name was like rat or panda or something. <laughs> it <was> beaver beaver <laughs> see i wasn't yeah. i wasn't
1: far off that was beaver
0: yeah um yeah and i remember that was when i uh Uh, I did coke for the first time and in all fairness you said now Jed this isn't like weed this isn't like (laughs) the other stuff and I was like yeah yeah sure
1: sure okay I remember that
0: Yep the, the disclaimer was there and so I remember I was super disappointed when I moved back to or tried to move back to Columbia I guess it was like I don't know five six years ago or something now but I moved back and Everyone, no one would hang around me anymore. But I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll call Andrew. He he's in this terrible life with me." And I called you, and I was like, "What are you doing? You want to hang out?" And you're like, "Man, I'm I gotta go to like college, and I got a job." <laughs> and and I was like heartbroken. I was like, "No, what are you talking yeah. about?" The so, party had ended
1: to an extent.
0: Oh yeah, man, <laughs> you uh, yeah, you cleaned up your act, man. You look you look good.
1: Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Let's take it back to the beginning. So, you are a preacher's kid, is that correct?
1: That is correct.
0: Tell us about that.
1: So, yeah, I my dad was and still is a minister in a non-denominational Christian church. Um, a different church at this point, but he's he's consistently been kind of in that that style of ministry. It was interesting growing up as a preacher's kid because you see the church from in a very different light than I think most people that, that go to church see it in. Um, for one, it is for most people it's one morning a week, whereas I know for me it was it was probably Every three day. sessions a week, and then I'm you know and then I'm still up there probably another two days a week between kind of babysitting for the church or. Being a part of all the different youth programs and all that, you know, I spent a considerable amount of my youth in the church and doing things that were church-related.
0: Did you ever, like, identify as Christian? Did you ever, at any point, I guess?
1: When I was very young, uh, there wasn't much really option to it. It's kind of the only way that I had been taught about the world, or I didn't. You know, at a certain age, you you don't really veer off of the path that your parents set for you.
0: Were you right, right, for sure? Were you like, did you feel the weight of I have to choose this way, or or you were like, this is just the way it is, and I'm cool with it, or was there a like, I feel like I'm in a Nazi regime type of thing?
1: Well, I think probably up until my early teens. It was kind of just go with the flow. This is how things have always been. As I started reaching kind of that middle school age, I started to ask a lot more questions. Um, And there were questions that I wasn't necessarily getting the answers that I wanted, particularly, you know, kind of growing up and that sort of thing. And and the conversation around the house is always religious. Everyone who comes over to my parents' house was part of the church, and it was always kind of a Christian-centered conversation. But there were certain aspects that as I got older, I started to be really frustrated with. A a big one for me was uh, the whole idea of like hell and damnation and and being a kid and the amount of time that I worried about other members of the family and and friends of mine and friends, parents of mine that weren't Christian and picturing them in this eternal suffering. And, you know, once I kind of got to an age where I could realize that that No matter how how you look at it, I don't think that it's a responsible thing to tell children that their grandparents are going to suffer immeasurably for all of eternity and things of that nature. So that was a big thing that made me rebel from it a little
2: bit. My question would be – so we found that there are some things that you didn't like about the church at that time or you're getting answers to questions that you're saying, "Well, this is kind of jacked, right? Like I can't get down with that. Do you then throw the baby out with the bathwater? Is then all of Christianity debunked at that point? Or, or you, how did that go?
1: I think a lot of it – I I like to think of myself as a spiritual person. I think I always have been. But there was a certain political side of the church that I saw a lot of just from my perspective. Uh, people mm-hmm. act a lot different around the minister's family than they do around other people, I feel like. Sure. Um, did you th- Do you think that
2: you're – that your family acted different around other around the church as a whole as opposed to like behind closed doors.
1: Right, there there's definitely kind of a a certain public image that, you know, that anyone in any profession wants to have around their place of business, but at the right. church it can get very strange because it's so based on community. honesty and community and yeah. truth and so and and you know, as far as that kind of political side I don't know how much I could see it as much in my own parents, as much as I could see it in their interactions with other people and how certain people would want to be their best friends because they have this certain position in the church. And then, you know, and then if they had a falling out of any sort and all of a sudden like these people hate each other and that's just something that you don't really, you don't really see on Sunday morning. That's something you only hear about in the preacher's house. Right.
2: Yeah. Um, so you're getting a bad taste. So we're what, early teens now? You're getting so, a bad taste in your mouth for the church.
1: Early teens, um, and I I had, you know, a lot of frustration just kind of with the questions that I had and feeling like I wasn't getting clear answers. But also, you know, a, a big part of it is it, the church doesn't really get to be a part of your life at that age in a minister's home. It's kind of either your whole life or you can completely try to separate yourself from it. Mm. Um, this is kind of what it felt like, which, you know, it's been interesting getting older and, you know, I've had a, a lot of close friends who are devout Christians, but have a very different outlook on what Christianity means to them. And it's more about the sense of community and, you know, love and understanding, which to me is, is something that I can really appreciate and something that I still appreciate. About Man,
0: I, um, I hope he's talking about us. What's I said, that? I said, I hope he's talking about us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but there was, I think the thing that originally really did, made me kind of want to escape from the church to an extent was the certain divisiveness to where the idea of anyone who, if if I'm a Christian and I'm friends with someone who's not a Christian, then it's my responsibility to fix them in a way, which I always thought was... I thought it was a, an irresponsible way to look at relationships to always be trying to change someone else and yeah, have some so less understanding.
2: Yeah. Jen and I actually talk about that all the time. Mm-hmm. And and, um, and if we look back at Jesus' teachings, the way that I read it, that's not – he wasn't always in it to convert people. Right. right? He was in it to build – there's value in relationships in and of themselves. Right. Right. And, it's not um, meant to always divide, you know. Yeah. Us to yeah. them. Right um for sure so let's fast forward a
1: little bit when you left your parents so tell us how you left your parents house actually i left my parents house uh when i turned 17 i dropped out of high school and moved out um which i
0: do you you remember when your class rank was 420 (laughs) what's that Do do you remember when your class rank was 420
1: no I don't remember that
0: dude why do I remember that and you don't you you yeah. you got before you got class rank 420 I remember that specifically because there was like 436 in our class and, and you got 420 and you were super stoked <laughs> about it yeah. that
1: sounds about right but yeah so I I moved out and uh and dropped out of school and Fortunately, I, I had an older brother that I could move in with, so I wasn't like you know on the street right or, <laughs> right. or whatever. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad living situation. It was a very financially strapped situation being 17 and trying to be self-sufficient. but right.
2: um, how did that go over with your family?
1: in a large way, that separation of me moving out and it not being under my parents' rule, we we came to appreciate each other a lot more as people. And we were able to kind of take the conversation a little bit out of, you know, the kind of what are you doing with your life? I'm worried about your relationship with God and that being the only thing that you hear from your parents, you know? And being more, being friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: do you think their worry was like genuine? You know what I mean when they say like they worry about your your relationship right. with God.
1: Right. Can you see where um, they were at? And I mean it. It is. It's. It's always kind of an interesting spot with uh with those thoughts because it for someone who has dedicated their life to the church and to the idea of Christianity, they they want you to be a part of it which yeah. I can understand more as an adult now. But at that age, it felt more like a, like my they were just trying to control my life. Yeah. You know, and and it was one of those things, you know, it wasn't like I thought that, like, stealing was okay or that I thought, like, principles of Christianity I was necessarily going against as much as it would be. You know the the kind of music I like listening to. I'm not allowed to have their CD. And, yeah. You know, I I have Jimi Hendrix posters, and I have to take one of them down because three Jimi Hendrix posters are too much. You yeah. know, and <laughs> I can like handle trying two. To, trying to rig it in,
0: Andrew. I can handle two. I swear, but three. <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah. They were like like the Sublime poster was obviously gone. Jim Morrison poster was gone. Jimi Hendrix, I could keep two, not three. Sort of yeah. So it's kind of, I think a lot of it was moving at a fairly young age and being so deep in the church. There was no really outside influence to where usually you'd have aunts and uncles and grandparents. And there's kind of, that would just be a part of your life to where. It could be kind of isolating being in a in a new city, and the only the only like friends of the family that there are are people in the church who are kind of phasing in and out throughout your life. Yeah, I'm,
0: yeah. Uh, where do you land on the God subject today?
1: Sure. Um, I would say uh, I've never necessarily considered myself an atheist. I wouldn't consider myself a Christian either, though. In in my opinion, I think uh, a lot of what God is is kind of uh, a spirit that connects all people and all things. And I think a search for God is a search for that connection. But I don't necessarily put uh, a particular name to it. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of religious teachings that I full heartedly uh, can get behind, and that's Christianity and other religions as well. I think there's a lot of great things to be taken out of it, but there is a certain divisiveness uh, that I kind of was around a lot as a kid that has made it so that I I don't really feel comfortable telling people what they should believe. And as far as my own beliefs, I don't, it, in a lot of ways, it's me trying to find a, a personal connection with whatever spirit or realm that we're living within and a way to cope with reality yeah so you talked a little bit about worrying about uh your grandparents going
2: to hell and other mm-hmm. friends and their parents and stuff do you ev does the thought ever cross
1: your mind that you would be fearful of that for yourself or you think that that's just total bullshit now Um, Well, at the time that I was afraid about that, I wasn't worried because I was a Christian because I was, you know, eight or whatever. There wasn't really much option. And that was a big part of me deciding that I didn't I didn't want to be a Christian was the divisiveness, uh, the feeling that, you know, kind of seeing what it's done within my family and kind of circles of friends, the idea that I can't. Be close to these people because if I, for me to be close with them, I couldn't be worried about them burning in hell. Right. Mm. I think my question is more like so now. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you kind of laid out what what you believe in, and to me, it seems um, kind of agnostic. Right. Right. Like there's a God out there. There's something out there, but I may not right. know what it is. I don't claim sure. to have the answers. Right. 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 Um. So I, I with got that,
0: all the answers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that being said, do you worry about? Is there any inkling of worry about eternal damnation now, or have you just thrown that idea concept? And so,
1: about- so I I don't believe in the idea of damnation. I I could see possibly how if someone really was tormented with guilt of things that they had done, how you know that could be something that could possibly haunt them. Sure. Um, but but the idea of there being you know the good people go one way and the bad people go another way. I I disagree with. Them. That's bullshit. Yeah, gotcha. Hmm. Jed says that I'm going to hell because I don't read my Bible
2: enough.
0: Dude, huh? he is absolutely. Well,
1: <laughs> well, if that's the case, I'll be right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> At no, least I'm we'll kidding. Make no, enough. like. We'll have all the good records down there. So. That's true. Yeah. What? A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll you be I'll be up
0: in heaven with Mercy Me and That's Stephen right. Curtis Chapman. We'll be up. Then we'll on,
1: have talk up there. We'll have. <laughs> yeah,
0: man. No, my. Uh, you kind of, you remember me? I mean, I I had a similar upbringing—not a preacher's kid, but my parents are super Christian. Always have, always will. No. And so I was for a long time too. And it took me. It wasn't until. There was a two year period when um, after after a bunch of bunch of rehabs, um, people telling me I was an alcoholic, this, that and the other. uh, I finally got to a place where I was financially self sufficient because I went to treatment when I was 17. uh, And so I've I've always been relying on my parents. And so I was like 24 or something and I finally didn't need my parents. So I called them and I was like, look, I'm going to drink y'all need to accept that uh I don't need your help. Y'all need to treat me like a normal person and I don't know about this god stuff. I don't think alcoholism is a disease and so I sort of proclaimed that I don't believe any of that anymore and let's just see what happens, right? Um and I did that for 2 years and then that's when I went and I went <laughs> It's funny the the end result of that being uh I got 6 felony gun charges and <laughs> Yeah, possession of. All. <laughs> uh, I <didn't> know that. <laughs> dude, yeah, my my house got raided. That was when I got bad into crystal meth and started selling stolen guns, and and I wound up in in jail, man, in, in Baton Rouge. And that's I had like a, I had like three super profound like reconversion experiences in jail that I just couldn't I couldn't explain away, and that's kind of what happened this time except I didn't, I didn't stay sober then. Uh, I stayed sober for about 11 months and then I went back and things got worse again, but that's kind of what, what restarted it for me. And, and I got into some, some dark, dark shit like this. Uh, I was doing a lot of research chemicals and acid and this, uh, Wiccan chick moved in below me and she was doing Reiki on me and like all sorts of stuff. And, things got really dark and really weird and so I guess it's if nothing else by process of elimination I feel like I searched every other possible spiritual avenue and what I found there like terrified me and I did not like and then then I had these these experiences in jail and then yeah I guess I just came back to it I don't know that seems a really flimsy (laughs) flimsy thing to stand on when I say it out loud but It was super profound for me, and then I guess just, I still doubt, and I still question. I don't know where I was going with that,
2: but... So my question, Andrew, would be, um, or another question that I have, would you, have you ever thought about going and exploring more in depth, not just the church, but other religions or other religious
1: practices? I've done a considerable amount of reading, uh, not necessarily all religious uh, based, mostly philosophically based to sure. try to get an idea of how people see God and kind of kind of form what like my relationship with God is in a way and what I feel comfortable with and what I believe to be true. Really something that I miss. In a sense, is uh, there is a certain as amount of community that you get with a church scenario yeah. that you that you don't get outside of the church. It's kind of a lot of a lot of time me by myself thinking about it or reading about it or you know kind of studying into it. But there's there's not really there's not a lot of like agnostic small groups. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <you know? laughs> and there's yeah. like a lot of the questions end up coming up you know just kind of organically but randomly in conversation and it's kind of just a topic for a moment and then you move on but there's not a lot of kind of group effort to come to a certain con- conclusion it's more a solitary experience for me well
0: yeah 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 and, and i wanted to ask you're such a conundrum to me because like i said when i when i was still uh, out running and ripping, you you seemed to clean up. And and in my head, you know, how can a reprobate just clean up without the healing power of God? How did you steamroll through that?
1: I think uh, a big thing for me, you know, I I partied a lot. I partied with the best of them. One thing that yeah <laughs> one thing that i I know one thing that i always that I kind of realized from early on and and a big part of it was actually kind of seeing what happened with you guys, but you know like heroin was something that i never i decided i I wouldn't try hmm. uh, heroin meth uh were kind of the two the two big ones
0: solid choice um,
1: a, a a lot of my drug use when I was younger was more more centered around like psychedelic drugs which don't necessarily have an addictive tendency the you know yeah, if less. any if anything yeah. you never want to do it again if you <laughs> yeah. take you know? yeah. yeah um but i think that was a big part of it for me a lot of it too though is and part of this was you know kind of growing up away from all of our extended family my brother and I feel like really set up a good support system of close friends that we consider family, and a support system is, I think, the the best way to keep yourself in check.
0: Oh yeah, it's uh, one one of the the three pillars of of the recovery program we're in. Yeah, it's right. It's, it's a common, it's an age old thing.
1: I drank a lot and and you know, obviously smoked a lot of pot and. And whatever and and definitely uh took other drugs too but i definitely always tended more towards the drugs that were seeking more of a uh psychedelic kind of enlightening experience than than kind of the ultimate high yeah i have a lot more weird a lot of weird nights but not never got (laughs) into and you know and that's not exclusive i've done my fair share of Pills and,
0: and I didn't mean to, you to, know, to paint, okay. with, paint with the brush that you you were some under-the-bridge junkie, but you, you know what I meant. You got the meaning. Right,
1: right. No, but it is true. Um, but a lot of it, too, um, I, I know a lot for me was a matter of kind of getting out of certain social circles that I was in before I was really super absorbed by them. Right. Um, mm. I didn't always do in time like there, you know, there are periods of my life where I was doing cocaine every day and stuff like that. But it was one of those things when I realized that that wasn't working out, I moved out of that house as opposed to moving into harder drugs with those guys. Yeah.
2: (laughs) That's my, that's
0: (laughs) my, my, my move would have been to buy that house.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm all in. I'm all 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 on this thing. Um, you talked about looking for enlightenment and psychedelics. Did did you ever find it? Um,
1: I think that there is a a lot of good perspective I've gotten uh, doing psychedelic drugs to where I I think that if they were regulated in a responsible fashion, they could be of of good use to people. Yeah. Um, the idea that like the more LSD you take, the s- the more you're in touch with reality, I think is a very faulty view. Yeah,
2: correct. Uh,
1: <laughs> <and> <laughs> at some point, you start to go back to work.
2: If that's the case,
1: <laughs> and me it,
0: and the universe would yeah. would be best uh, buds.
1: And and you know and a lot of people kind of I think it starts out that way, and then before you know it, it's just a party drug, and it's just essentially a laser light show for you while you're. Partying and everything looks cool and sounds cool and you're not really getting any sort of um, any sort of like truth out of it. It's just right. a, just a party. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of parties and laser light shows, you're in a bitchin' band <laughs> called Carnival, I found out. It is. I, so I did say it right. You said it right. You said it right. Awesome. I fucked up when I texted him originally. I misspelled it and he corrected me <laughs> very politely in the text message.
0: Oh well, he's a polite guy.
2: Yeah, so what do what do you play? I mean, like, how did that band come about and all that good stuff?
1: Okay, so um, Carnival is uh, a band I started when I moved to Charleston, um, which uh, originally started with uh, me playing with a guy named Tom, um, who is actually actually a friend of ours. Uh, It was Bobby Smire's roommate when I moved to Charleston, so that's how I met. No way. Yeah. And him and I kind of jammed together a little bit. And my brother was living down here, which we had already done two bands uh, before he had moved to Charleston. That for We were probably in a band together for a total of, I don't know, seven or eight years before we moved to Charleston. So I started playing with Tom and then we got Josh into the band. And we had like another guy who didn't really work out. And we we've got a couple additional members since that point. But yeah, so we've been we've been playing in Charleston for about six years now. Uh, we're working on our fourth our fourth release. It'll be our third full length. I play guitar uh, mostly, like pedal effects and loops and stuff. We do a lot of instrumental and kind of post-rocky sounding parts of our songs.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll give you as a as a huge fan. Y'all are definitely, honestly, my uh you're in my top 10 for, for 2016 of, of surprise albums. It's, it's this ethereal, uh, shoegazy, like post rock. I can tell y'all finally started listening to good music. Like it, it it shows you, you definitely (laughs) got into some, well, I remember when y'all started getting into like cursive and, uh, explosions in the sky, some mogwai, like, I can definitely hear all that, and it's got a, um, like y'all create the atmosphere. It's what's the word for that? The uh, like a musical, a music scape, a musical landscape. The musical ask a question and give a response, and build to a crescendo, and y'all do that thing where the build the 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 build up and the release of the build up is so good, but it's it's short enough that. I wish it would have gone longer, but if it would have gone longer, I might't it's like y'all make that kind of musical decisions that like I would have done differently, but since you do it that way, it sounds so good.
1: I appreciate that yeah, we try to make a strong point of cutting out kind of some of the gristle. I think a lot of the bands yeah. there's a lot of bands that they have really great ideas and I enjoy what they're doing and then and they, then the song ends up being seven minutes long exactly. And you know, four minutes of it was the same part. And
0: there, which, there, there's totally wisdom in give them, give give the people just enough to hook them, but don't give them too much. Like, right, leave leave them still hungry.
1: Make them right. Leave them wanting more, not wanting less.
0: Yes, absolutely. Do y'all have any talks with record labels or anything on the horizon with that? Are y'all shopping around? Um, also, y'all just doing it independent.
1: We've we've kind of been doing it independent up till now, um, and kind of moving further in that direction to where we're kind of we're kind of trying to get into a routine where we can record ourselves um, at least for demos. Yeah, and then go in and record. Which we have a a guy that's produced our last album that we're really happy with his work. Um, but as far as as far as getting on a label. You know, uh, something that, and it might kind of set our band a little apart from other bands, but most of the, and really basically everyone in the band, uh, is not that interested in touring. <laughs> uh, right on. I mean, we we have jobs that we like, and we have women that we like that are at home.
0: <laughs> hey, hey, all right.
1: You know, which I think uh, that's a, part of that is just kind of getting older to where... Yeah the idea of being on the road all the time sounded really romantic to me when I was younger. And now the idea of continuing to do that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We, you know, for a while we were playing a lot of shows and kind of getting out of town a fair bit. And we've kind of come to a point now where we've decided to put more focus into the writing side of it. Um, So we, we play, we play essentially uh, a handful of shows in Charleston every year. Yeah. Uh kind of make a bigger production of it. Um but we've decided, at least for as of right now, that we're we're gonna stick a little closer to Charleston and spend more of our time writing new music and playing new songs and less of our time, you know, in the van and Yeah. Trying trying to network and uh and as as far as getting signed, you know, I think I've just playing in bands when I was younger, I've just had a couple friends that have gotten signed onto bigger band onto bigger labels and it's very exciting when it first happens and then all of a sudden, you know, like one of one of my friends' bands, they sent back the entire record and said the vocals just aren't good, you have to redo everything. And it was the way that they wanted them to be. It's just not the way that it's sold. Ooh. Um, yeah,
0: and I realized I realize now that I asked that question just because that's like a music question to act. But nowadays being on a record label does not mean shit. right and you really don't need it
1: and and we you know a lot of for us it's something that we're passionate about and uh and the kind of music we like writing and playing isn't necessarily music that is easy to network with or kind of make it into a marketable you're not a bar band right it's not a marketable business the kind of stuff that we do to where We've kind of gotten to a point to where we don't even play at bars anymore. We do more like art show sort of venues. Yeah. Um, we'll go and we'll run We'll run all the sound ourselves and we run our own light show and we kind of do the whole thing, do it yourself, which a lot of that has been opened up by us not constantly pushing to get so far out there, but more focusing on what we're actually doing.
0: Yeah, right. I can totally respect that. Well like that's I awesome. said man, I like it's perfect soundtrack music. That's that's what I see it for. Uh
1: Well I, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. We did
2: talk to Jeff, we on the car ride over here. We were talking about the irony uh, of the title of the track our intro track.
1: Oh so uh, yeah. Track <laughs> that,
2: it's, it's called a Heretics Waltz. Yeah. Which is fucking hilarious. I didn't yeah. I didn't like honestly, I didn't put two and two together until we were in the car on the way. I, here. I,
0: I did not either. Wow. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, Andrew. I will no longer be able to use your music in good conscience. Uh, now that I know you're a sinner, you are stricken from the show. That's
2: right. <laughs>
1: yeah. And the lifetime Band. Lifetime yeah. Band.
0: <laughs> well, this is, man, this is this has been great getting to catch up with you, man. And um, yeah, I'm gonna absolutely. I'm gonna be playing. Uh, the track's going to be Tie the String in its entirety after the show, so y'all should take a listen, and we'll post a link um, in the show notes to their band camp. Y'all should definitely go pick up uh, their album, Fuck That Noise. This Noise? Fuck This Noise? Fuck That Noise. That Noise. Oh, that was really awkward, because I, I, I de- um, <laughs> we got a Christian DJ for my wedding, and I had to send him to your site to get the song, and the album was called, I was like, damn it, Andrew, Like you couldn't have made a call, <laughs> anything else, but this good Christian, his name is DJ Clean.
2: I it. <laughs> DJ Clean? Yes, I love it. dude. Hey, let's talk about the fact that you hired a Christian DJ for your wedding. Yeah. Hey, well, hilarious. I got I got the church
0: discount, bro, so... Yeah. <laughs> you gotta cut corners where you can. You Absolutely, know. dude. <laughs> he was good, too. Oh, he, he hooked it up.
1: We run into that a little bit with certain, you know, certain members of our family are like, oh, I want to hear the new album. And it's like, you know, I think you really like the music, but I'm yeah. a little hesitant to like send a grandparent a fuck that noise record that you made, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: That's, that's, I'm sure we're going to run into with just what we're doing with this. Like we've already, like I've already told relatives, relatives and I've had my dad on about this podcast, but it's like. We're going to be talking about some stuff. But my thing is like to not talk about it is almost to just ignore reality. Like, I'm sorry. Right. These things happened in my life. I did these things. You like me as a person. Does knowing that change that? You know what I mean? Like, Right. So we'll see. It's, it's kind of all an experiment. This is, this is it's important to bridge
1: the gap a little bit. Which it is I told
0: important you. to bridge the gap.
1: That was something that when he, when he mentioned uh, me coming and talking with you guys, that was something that really draw me to it is I feel like there, there is this gap between Christians and non-Christians. There is. A lot of non-Christians feel like they're just going to be judged uh, if, if they become close or, or take part in any sort of community program that a church is doing. And I, I don't think that necessarily has to be the case. I think the whole idea of Christianity is people coming together. Yes. Uh,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Well, we'll, we'll... Stoked you came on, man. And, and I do say, you know, we end every podcast with an altar call. Yeah. Um, and so, here's prayers. If well, join it, us, the okay. sinner's prayer. If, if, I'm, if, just, if, I'm just, if, I'm just if, joking. If,
0: <laughs> if anyone here heard something they liked and they'd like to... Uh, <laughs>
2: Just everybody close, their everybody close your eyes. close your
0: eyes. I'm just not. Look, I'm not gonna single anyone up. out. Andrew, I, I see you there in the back. <laughs> I see you. There I there. see you. H- hands raising all over the place. Good luck.
2: to see you. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: right. well, yeah, thanks,
2: yeah, dude, We appreciate
1: it. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. I mean, that was
1: fantastic.
2: It was seriously good to see that, dude. I, it's been a long long time i think i told you i ran into him one time like this past sometime over this past year but before that it's been a decade since i've seen that guy yeah
0: yeah i'd say yeah it's been about four years i think four five years
2: yeah he's just so solid and like authentic he is
0: he is do you ever do you get are you past uh jealousy of people that can still drink
2: yeah, um, they can still drink. Yeah, like I don't want to. I don't want to drink. That doesn't look attractive to me. Yeah, me neither. But, smoke weed, but so. like, yeah, for okay, sure, yeah. smoke weed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure, so, Dr- like, yeah, I would love to just like get spliffed with my wife and yeah. watch you know Netflix or something. That sounds awesome, but I know that it would never just ever just be that. Ever. No,
0: no, absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. That's that's the old saying like oh, I'm just going to smoke weed on Saturday. And then one day you wake up and you wish it was Saturday. And that's how it starts.
2: Uh-huh. I always used to hear when I was first getting sober, um, if I could drink like a gentleman, I'd be drunk every day.
0: <laughs> I see what you did. There. Uh, that's good. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. You, you know what's funny
0: is uh, uh, the the Christian in me reconciles the whole thing with like, oh, well. Thank God he said the sinner's prayer, so he's straight, man. He's uh, good. <laughs> once saved, always saved, really man. Think that? Do you really
2: believe well, in once
0: saved, always? Here, my here's how my dad kind of puts it, and I kind of do. If we think that it depends well, your on dad's it, it, a, it depends,
2: that's a Calvinist, right? So it, Calvinist. it depends on He'll if you wins. if
0: you think your salvation, if you have anything to do with your salvation. If yes, then. Then I suppose it's possible. If if you think that God is this irresistible force that once He calls you, there's no escaping it. Then that that's kind of where that comes from. Like that it. And my dad always says the story's not over. That's that's his big thing. Because I, I always asked him if he yeah. worried about me, and he was like, "Well, I knew this the story's not o- over. You know, it's
2: I think, interesting. I, I need remember, to keep that in mind." Like- the story's not over for um, like newcomers and stuff all the time. Oh, all the time. People that um, they go and ye, fucking you too, man. Like oh, I yeah. thought that about you. I really, I've told you this before, but I, for years I was just waiting for a call from your mom, saying like when the funeral was. Yeah. For, like ye fucking years. Oh, for sure. Um, but I knew that like as long as you weren't dead, there's still a chance. Like there's still a chance.
0: I don't know. I I guess I flip flop on whether you. <laughs> you can run away from god cuz it's like i if i look back i really tried my hardest and it's it felt like he was letting me go toward the end but but then when i look at it in full retrospect like no everything it was still all in this massive coordinated series of events that had to occur to land me where i'm at now so
2: that for for me though that whole idea makes free will really murky <laughs>
0: Well, free will, right? it, it, free will is like, I totally guess you have free
2: will, but
0: you don't, really. I don't know.
2: Yeah. That, I think that we do though, man. I really do. I think well, that we do. And I think that, uh,
0: well, let me ask you this. Did
2: anyway,
0: you, we, you don't have free will in so much as that you didn't, you can't choose your, your birth parents. You can't choose your birth location. Therefore you can't choose mm-hmm. your nurture so it's like right. you're you're lit you are or you're, your nature yeah absolutely uh right so and it was
2: yeah
0: a, yeah i don't know that that gets in and i don't sec, know but it's like
2: if you make you make good decisions and you're responsible good generally speaking decent things happen over the long run right if you make shit decisions and you're irresponsible generally Generally speaking, shitty things happen over the. Generally
0: ride. speaking, yes,
2: but have, have so, you, did it ever
0: happen? Like, man, I would call it like Satan's Lotto, where like just these awesome things would happen to me when I was using. Like, I would just come into like crazy amounts of money. Did that ever happen to you?
2: No, I would have been. No, I would have been dead, dude. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean that's <laughs> I you know been I overdose those, those
0: times, but <laughs> yeah, like fortunate yeah. events would no. occur, and that's why I'm saying I don't know. Well, that's why I bring up, it, it seems like it was God, I don't know, God using these things to happen to get me to a place where I would have to get clean, where like it seemed like, oh, jackpot, I can get a bunch of dope, but knowing that that dope just brought me way more misery than than I ever could have bargained for, therefore, it was used yeah, for good, yeah. if, if that makes sense.
2: I can see that. Yeah, no, no, no. Have you ever read the book, Drop the Rock?
0: No, everyone. I've heard your read it. Really? Read it. Read it. Read it. It's, it's not cheesy. It's about
2: six and no, it's fantastic. Um, it's about six and seven, but but in it, it talks a lot about and a lot about and in the twelve and twelve, this talks about this too. But it talks about um how God can use our character defects, right? And that we don't we don't get to decide when our character defects are up. And so again, this whole like God's in control. But we still have free will. Free will thing It's free really wheel. hard for me to wrap my free will, free willie, free uh, free bird. <laughs> it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around that God is in control, yet we have free will, right? Yeah. Like, how does that? Happen? How does that? Well, and, and no I've
0: one, heard... no one has an answer on it. Everyone, it's even like secular philosophers debate the free will, and there's constant new arguments about free will, and who knows? I wanted to yeah. ask, uh. I like how he brought up and this seems to be the common thread of why people do not turn away from Christianity is is the problem of hell, right? It's
2: a big yeah. It no, is. It I is mean, a and especially the way deal. that especially the way that it's preached on in or certain, was, Oh yeah, in certain It still
0: is. In certain ways, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the way <laughs> the way some people preach it, it's like they they It's like they want that to be the truth. And that's where it gets sickening to me, where it's like.
2: Oh, right. Like they should be. I I feel some sort of gratification in that. I know that sinners are going to burn in hell. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's not very loving. I'll tell you that. That attitude is not very loving. Um, I did love how he was all something about um, I think it's really irresponsible to tell children that their grandparents are going to burn in hell. Yeah. I was like, I think that. I agree. that's a you know i think it's a really valid point yeah that's a Um, very valid point anyway it was a great interview
0: it was it was and i hope like i said that's what i want this to be that's that's exactly kind of my goal for this is to have the conversations uh that he that they may never have had you know what i mean
2: no, absolutely. Well, and I think that a lot of people uh, feel uncomfortable having because Christians um, hop on the defensive so often. Um, yeah, they feel like they're being attacked. Um, and like,
0: it's a learning process for me. Like I said, to just to just sit and just listen, and like, listen. I don't. It's not my yeah. responsibility to do anything, but listen and be a friend, right. man. So it's, it's yeah definitely totally. helping so me. I think it's
2: important to to build that goodwill, build those relationships, and build an environment that um, you know Christians don't always have to be fucking defensive and um and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, convince anyone of anything. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important just to to listen and to be love and to um, do all of that all of that shit. So yeah,
0: and I'm also. And, uh, you know, super in love with this band i'm starting that track right now actually cool
2: all right well peace out home scout yeah y'all be sure to
0: check out carnival this is tie the string